This is Talk Is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Rensmeg, here we hey. are. Hey there, Mr. Stelter. How's it going, buddy? Awesome, man. Episode 130 frickin' four. Can you believe it? And we're rocking into June and uh, stuff is happening. It just doesn't seem to slow down around here. Every every uh, couple of nights, it seems like we're on a call, and you know this podcast just keeps growing and growing, and great people keep wanting to come on. It's it's a wild ride. Awesome, man. So uh, this this is a cool one. We hook up with Mike Defoe and s- say the name of the brand because H- Hudo Lifestyle. Hudo, because I was like. Is it Hutto or is it Hutu or I, I? So I didn't didn't want to screw that up. And you were like, "Oh, it's like you knew the, the brand name," and I hadn't quite figured that out yet. So thank you for saving me there. Yeah, no, no, no problem. <laughs> so really cool dude, man. Like uh, uh, anyone that checks out his Instagram, like uh, he does a bunch of work for uh, Alpine Carnivore um, and really cool products. I love his branding. Um, really neat like i love this whole made in bc stuff that you know there's a lot of really cool brands out there and popping up in bc now and i won't mention them probably some of them are some of the competitors uh for mike here but uh really cool that he started this brand he's got some really cool gear these game bags are sweet man i love uh i love the way they look the color and um and yeah we're gonna sounds like we're gonna team up with him do a collaboration and do an offering for the wild sheep society bc he's gonna kick us some money back for conservation work and just another cool scenario where a local bc business is supporting us and building helping us build our conservation footprint yeah it's uh he's wanting to do something neat and that you know we we talked about it a little bit off offline after that podcast and we want to roll out uh game bags with our logo we'll be the first that i know of anyways hmm Look at look at us go, eh? Yeah, uh, very we're, cool. We're trendsetters. <laughs> well, um, yeah, really cool. S- super stoked about that. A lot, a lot of real cool stuff on his site. So, uh, anyone that hasn't heard of um, heard of Hato, Hato, Hudo, Hudo. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, Mike, man. Uh, I'm not making fun. Yeah, just really bad at pronouncing things. Um, really cool site. Really cool products. Um, and some innovation there too, which is really cool. He's got some new stuff coming out. He's talked about some of the new lines coming out. I'm not going to spill the beans on that one. You'll have to wait to see what's coming down the pipe. But uh, just love the innovation and and love the uh, the conservation minded ethic. You know, it's so cool when we can partner with brands like um, like what we're seeing here. Super cool that we can work together and we can increase our conservation footprint in the province. Yeah, well, and he was uh, he was very adamant about the conservation aspect. Like he, he reached out to our social media. He was messaging. He goes, "Hey guys, I want to work with you," and somehow it fell on the wayside. And you know, he was relentless. He didn't stop. He's like, "Hey, let's work. I want to give you guys money." Basically, it's like, "Okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's get the ball rolling. And you can give us money." <laughs> Yeah, super cool um great podcast we talk about um all kinds of hunting we talk about the brand and um super cool guy he's got a really cool trip to mexico we're not going to spill the beans on you there you can ask him how his uh, precision shooting's going on that one um but just a really really cool podcast so check it out it's episode 134 and before we go there what's going on in the sheep count world buddy mr sheep count master well that's uh you know, a couple of weeks, June 10th, we'll rolling into the first count along the Fraser, checking on the land recruitment on the east side, not too far north of Lillooet. So looking to see the volunteers out there, maybe do a little bit of camping. It's a one-day event, but, you know, a lot of people stick around for the entire weekend, and it should be good. Your uh, Hopefully your vehicles have AC and you bring lots of water when you're outside the vehicles because Lillooet is scorching. Yeah, so... Uh they can get a hold of you, go over our social, Insta, Facebook. It's all there. And uh, I'm sure we'll post it on Talk of Sheep as well and uh, get involved. You're you're the man, so reach out to Greg and, and get involved and support. Uh, you know, there's conservation has so many faces, right? You know, there's money, there's time. You know, you come volunteer to a trade show, and this is a cool one because you're on the ground, you're looking at sheep, and you're making a difference. This is important work. People think you're, oh, I'm just going to count sheep. Like, no, 
We've got a $1.6 million project on the Fraser River. We've invested $1.6 million, us and our conservation partners, and um, we're working hard to restore a population of 24 to 2,500 bighorn sheep on the Fraser that have declined to 800, and we want to bring them back to that historic 2,500. And it's this work, this volunteer work that our, our volunteers are doing in the landscape that are part of that. It's not the only piece, but it's part of it. So it's important work. You're contributing to that. Um, and you know we're investing a lot of money, but we're investing a lot of manpower and a lot of man hours. And hats off to you, Greg. Like You're up there. You're... Uh, you know the, the the time and effort you put into the society, and then on top of this, you're driving up um, on the Fraser and spending your hard-earned uh, cash on on fuel, taking your time away from your family. I think your son goes. To, um, you take the family up sometimes, don't they? They go. Yeah. Up as well, well the, my son for sure will be joining me on this one because it's real close to his birthday. So I don't think I get away with that. Uh, might have to tie in a bear hunt afterwards. Nice. Yeah, and that's the thing. Go up, have a great time, volunteer, put your time in, and go kill some bears. Do your part for predator control. So um, talk to Greg um, and get involved, and uh, thank you to all our volunteers for all the hard work, and thank you, sir, for your leadership in, in making that happen. Very inspiring. No problem. It's a good time out there. It's, uh, it's one of those things where you're not working hard on that volunteer. It's just it takes you time to get there. And like you said, it is crucial. Those lamb recruitment, like because we do them in the same spot throughout the months in the summer, we see what's going on. We can report back to the biologists and we know right away if there's a problem. If we count a certain amount of lambs, we say we see 20 lambs and 20 ewes in June. We go back in July. We see a lot less. We go back in August. We see even more or see even less lambs. We know we got an issue. And then we have to go back in there in the winter and, the, you know, fund the biologists and help them out to do a winter count. And, you know, it's, it's crucial work and, you know, we're, we got a lot of work on the Fraser and it's, we're, we're getting there, I think. I think we're making ground and I'm happy to be a part of it. Awesome, man. Inspiring. All right, buddy. Episode 134 with Mr. Mike Defoe. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Stone Glacier. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Stone Glacier, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Oh, we're, we're live now. How's it going, Mike? Good, good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, greatly appreciated. So, That's nice, nice to meet you or see you across the computer screen here. Yeah, so, yeah. So for the folks at home, who are you? Where are you from? Yeah, so my name is Mike Defoe. I'm, uh, I'm the owner of Hudo Lifestyle. It's kind of my passion project, gotten big. I'm, uh, I'm a senior project manager by, by uh, my profession, but uh, grew up in a little town in uh, Revelstoke since I was, well, grew up there since I was born, moved away, went to school, and then landed in the, uh, in the Okanagan. So I've been in the Vernon area, Clone area for the last probably 10 years. So it's kind of home now for me. It's, uh, it's a bit of a change from Revelstoke now. That town's gone a little bit busy, but uh, it's nice being in the Okanagan. I can't, uh, I can't ask for anywhere better to live than BC than here. So it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. So no, no sun shines and no place to go swimming and enjoy the weather. I'm sure out there, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad place to live. So it's uh, central, and my family's still back in Revelstoke, and so it's it's a quick trip. And you know, we got a cabin in Sycamore, so it's it's everything's here I need. So, no, oh, right on. So what uh, what led you into this outdoor lifestyle and starting Hutto? That seems to be a, a drastic change from your day job. So tell us. Yeah, about that. It, it's. You know what? It all started probably, God, I don't want to know, four years ago at Elk. Four, about four years ago, I started in 2019, 2020, kind of started doing it. But just started with us guys sitting around a table having beers. And it started with, hey, we should do some T-shirts and, you know, the whole kind of lifestyle apparel thing. So, you know, I kind of started with that. You know, that kind of started the whole thing. And it was good. And then, you know, slowly branched into, you know, more along the lines of hunting game bags. You know, I seen a, maybe a little bit of a gap maybe in the market. Um, 
I just noticed that a lot of the game bank industry was out of the States. I mean, there still is buying them here, but so I went down that path, you know, worked with suppliers, manufacturers, and then, you know, slowly got into this, this new custom knives, these new skeleton handle knives and replacement plate knives and just kind of branched out from there. So it's gone from something, you know, just as a fun thing, right. To kind of get, getting busier, you know, obviously with a family, having a full-time job, you know, Monday to Saturday, sometimes 60, 70 hours a week. So it's starting to gain a little more traction. So, you know, one day hopefully I can just quit my regular job and do this for fun, right? That's kind of the the goal, but uh, we'll just have to see how things end up. So been fortunate to meet some some good people in the industry and, and that's, you know, going to these trade shows and, you know, been involved with a few other hunting companies so it's been a good uh it's been a good experience and i look forward to what comes in the future just you know so it's it's fun to do right so if i if i do well at it, i do well at it uh we'll see where it goes yeah it's kind of funny i you know you reached out to us on social media and i we answered you back and it was only you know, a couple days later i had a buddy of mine sent me a picture of one of your knives. It was like, have you seen these? You got to get your hands on one of these. And I was like, oh, well, funny enough, we just started talking to Mike. So, yeah, <laughs> find out yeah. about your knives and you know, what. So your your focus on the knives is the lightweight skeleton knife, right? Yeah. So the last one we did is kind of like a it's a it's a seven seventy five hard coat anodized loom. So it's super lightweight, super durable, super strong, and you know, the market now, anyways, in my terms that I like is the replacement blade knife. I, I do pack a hard blade knife and I do sell them, but I find that, you know, I can do everything with that knife from skinning to deboning to quartering to, you know, we, we were up up by the Yukon border last year and shot a moose and just one, one of those knives and two blades basically did the entire thing. So that's kind of where where I focus my efforts and, and you know, so I do sell some hard blade stuff, but majority of the sales come from that in the game bags so um again just that kind of gap in the market there's other manufacturers obviously that make that stuff like Taito's a great knife goats are great knives they all they're all good knives but i thought something in canada you know locally produced they're produced right here in the okanagan so supporting a local cnc shop right out of vernon here so anodized down the coast uh powder coated right here in Vernon, some of the line we're coming up with here in the next couple months. So it's nice to be able to support the local communities, right? So, and, and you know, you're, you're putting money back into your own community, right? So I think that's, that's a big selling feature for me. And a lot of people like that stuff. And I think there's a bit of a market for that. So. Yeah. There seems to be a growing uh, market for that. Keep it local business. And if you're doing it right here in BC, it's, that's great. Keeping the money in town and not exporting it from overseas and or importing it. Sorry. And so that's, there is certain stuff that I do. There's, there's some of my line I do is manufactured. Some is manufactured overseas, like the game bags are manufactured overseas. Some of my other knives are manufactured overseas with manufacturers there, but um, it's, you know, I do as much as I can local, try to support local, you know, local stores and stuff like that. But there's a, there's that just, there's that business aspect of, you know, if you want to make it a business and be profitable and try to take off and, you know, there's just, it's, it's, it's the way of the world right now. Right. Oh, for sure. But, uh, it just comes down to that quality control. Right. So. But. Hey, uh, Mike, I was wondering when it comes to innovation, um, you know, you, you started out with, um, was the game bags what you started out with or, um, what, what was the first thing you yeah kind of like shirts and t-shirts and did some puffy jackets to trialed some different things tried some suppliers but yeah it was kind of the apparel line was kind of the first real line so how important is this like innovation and adding stuff and um and, and how do you do that is it like hey there's a gap in the market here and obviously you mentioned that with the um, with the game bags that there's really not a Canadian product out there, for example. So are you just looking for gaps in the market? Are you looking for what you want or, or you know, how do you guys, how do you figure out what, what you want to bring to the market? Yeah. So like, like when I've seen the game bag stuff, I thought, you know, there's a lot of like stores carry them that cheese cloth. So I thought they're, you know, I went down that way, but you know, when I do, when I'm hunting and I'm looking out in the field and 
I'm using products that I really like, or I'm using products, or I see gaps in products, or you know, add additions you could add to make it a little bit better. That's kind of where I look at, and so what can I do to produce a product that that is as good, or something that can fill the void for me when I'm out in the field, right? And and again, the knife thing, there's it's not a new industry, it's not it's not a new thing, right? Everybody makes knives. I just thought our motto here is is I like to be lightweight, compact, and and I think as a you know sheep hunters, right? I think uh, this new knife I made for sheep hunters, right? I'm not for 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 the general hunting, but the sheep hunters, the guys that go twenty days on a backpack hunt and they're in the middle of the woods and you want to keep everything down to as light as possible. The game bags weigh like less than a pound for a pack of six bags, right? So looking at that aspect of the industry you know, trying to be lightweight and trying to have new products and try to be innovative as much as possible. It's, you know, there's so many different suppliers out there that, I mean, they're all, you can't say they're all the same product, but they're all fairly similar and making those fine tweaks and quirks to products that may be different than someone else or someone wants. It's, it's tough because I try to do it, but I got a, you know, I got a family, right. And I got a real job. So it's, uh, it's really hard to, find the time to do it right yes yeah, so w- with your game bags what what would you say kind of sets you apart from other game bags where where are you going with those uh so i mean like i said the game bags are not like i mean from different from emeralds they're they're a synthetic nylon material i think majority of game bag users now use a synthetic it is a little bit more of a it's a lightweight ripstop synthetic I went with a slight, they call it DWR. It's kind of an outer shell treatment, like it, like like pants and stuff have. So the outer shell of the long range, the tagged out and the bone out sets have a slight coating, but the coating is on the outside. So it's meant for the product to inside out. So the product breathes from the inside out, lets the evaporation out, and then also lets any liquid in, right? So the bags don't fill with liquid. So it's not necessarily maybe stands out. I know a lot of the other products maybe cotton soaks in, you know, the you know, Argly bags are good, buy bags they're all good, but I tried to go that route just to keep the weather out, but let the moisture and evaporate and create that nice, you know, you know, that meat to be able to cool and then to be able to break down if you're hanging it out in the field for a long time without the elements getting in. So I found that if you get water on your game bags or on your meat and you're hanging it for a long time, it gets a sludge on the outside. So that's what we've tried. I mean, we've, you know, the first round we did, we had a thicker material. The second round we went with a thinner, but this last launch of game bags seemed to have kind of hit the mark with what people are saying they want to see. So no complaints so far. I mean, they got a bit of a reflective logo on them to see them at night. Um, they come variety of sizes. Um, so the material is just kind of maybe that stands apart from everybody else. I mean, everyone else has their own different types of material. Some guys use cotton mix, some guys use nylon, some guys use polyester mix, some guys just go straight cotton, right? So it's just kind of depending on the application, I guess. Yeah, right on. So what's what's next for for Huddle? Where where do you see what's your um, your goal? Where do you want to take this? I'd I'd like to take it to a point where I could you know kind of do it as is really a full time thing. You know I, I love my job as a senior project manager. Uh, I I I if this got really busy and ticked off, obviously in the next little while it'd be nice to you know hire someone. I kind of partner up with another guy. He's just my one of my good friends I grew up with, so he helps me a lot. So you know, an opportunity to maybe hire someone to go around and, and do the marketing and do the the BD for me, right? The business development, go to stores, because every store that I go to when I get a chance, you know, everybody's interested in the product and they want to carry the product, but it's that time it takes to get out there, show them the product. You can phone a hundred different stores, but until they see and feel and touch the product, right? It's hard to sell them on that, right? So I think for me, that's my next step in terms of expanding the business making it bigger um been fortunate enough to work with a couple of good companies you know alpine carnivore guys those guys got a hunting show on wild tv i've been fortunate enough to go around and do videography with them they've helped the brand out quite a bit by using it um 
so that's helped. And yeah, like I said, the next thing is to get someone out there and push the brand for me, right? Be in a position where I'm profitable. I, I mean, I am profitable being a business where I can hire someone to go around and drive around for, I don't know, a month and just visit all these stores, Alberta, BC, Saskatchewan, and just push the product hard, right? Start hitting that uh, the everlasting trade so trade show circuit. Yeah, we did. Yeah, man, we I did two this year, and it's it's fun, but but it's it's exhausting. Like the Edmonton show, we did like four days, stand around for twelve hour days. The Kelowna show was was a good show, right? But some of the bigger ones, like the Parkland show, would be good. Toronto would be exceptional to go to, and just get that name out there a little bit more, right? So, yeah. Definitely would be a, a nice nice thing to get going. And, you know, are you guys looking at potentially getting your own clothing line aside from the shirts? And Yeah, so I just, it's funny, I just, uh, I just didn't launch. So I just received last week um, some prototype camouflage uh outerwear so what we're planning on doing and i've just put in an order we finished the prototype we started it back in god it was probably november last year working with a supplier back and forth back and forth on the camo the material samples and finally i got it to a position where i wanted it so that that lineup of i'll say lightweight base layers slash outerwear will hopefully be launched june so the first launch will be like a base layer hoodie, really lightweight t-shirts, long sleeves, and then a nice lightweight um, early season pants. So it'll be like a polyester blend pant, four-way stretch treated with polygene, you know, that to eliminate that bacteria and the smell, right? So that's, I ordered that, That's that'll be in, in, in hopefully mid-June and we'll launch that hopefully in time for that, you know, that big sheep season rush come July and August. And then as well, next week I'll receive my package of um, prototypes for my my winter lineup. So it'll include stuff like down puffy jackets, probably down puffy pants, and then like a, a heavier weight kind of late mid to late season pant. So <clears throat> exciting! It's uh, that stuff takes. Uh, I mean, a while. I haven't been have the opportunity to go over to the manufacturing overseas yet, but. You know, that's also next because obviously the communication and the the back and forth. And if you can go over there and sit with them and actually feel the product and do the product, the process takes that that much less time. But uh, I'm, I'm comfortable where those are now. So, yeah, that's going to be coming out in kind of June lightweight and maybe August, September for the heavyweight for winter season. So I'm pretty stoked about that and we'll see how it ends up. Right. So lots of interest so far, did a couple posts and shared a couple things with people just to, to get it out there to get some interest. And I mean, pretty good interest so far. So I mean, we'll see where that goes, right. Trying to get into a little bit of every market. I know the market's saturated. There's so many different companies that sell camo and outerwear and I mean, you name it, but I don't know something I enjoy doing. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's coming up quick. June, July is, uh, well, where where can people find you and follow along your progress like what where are we looking? Uh, the main stuff is through in, i do mainly instagram and then facebook so just who lifestyle lifestyle.ca is the website and then uh instagram is just who lifestyle so that's where i do most of my advertising um I find that I find nowadays, I mean, marketing is a great tool. I mean, I've spent some money on marketing, but I think through social media influence this, you know, these days it's, you can reach a, a large, much larger crowd through the social media and not have the burden of, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in marketing and advertising. Right. So Absolutely. To capitalize that. Right. So, and again, the working with the Alpine carnivore crew, um, I don't know if you guys have seen their stuff, but, uh, They've helped me out tremendously through their social media platforms. So it's uh, it's getting busier. I find it's a kind of a, you look back every year and go, hey, I did good that year. And then you look back the next year and go, oh, I did really good that year. And then you look back and go, oh man, you know, you've done over a certain amount already and you're halfway through the year. So slowly taking its way, but uh, <laughs> just have to see where it goes. So the, the hopes and dreams, I can travel around and sell hunting stuff and hunt and, you know, 
film and do videography and for a living, but uh, I don't know if my wife would agree with that, right? It's <laughs> two hundred days a year hunting, and so. But yeah, it's one heck of a. That's a goal. It's a goal of a lot of ours, just to, to be able to be in the outdoors the whole time and you know yeah. push in the industry and be part of that. But yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Mike, uh, what uh, if I want to? If I'm going to, I am going on a sheep hunt, and I'm gonna buy some of your game bags. So what should I be buying? What do I need for set me up? So I'm looking at the website there. So yeah. I, I see there's a whole bunch of options. So you got you got like all it's all super light, but then you got the long range feather light, and you've got um, the you got a whole bunch of options. So if I'm going on a sheep hunt and I want to pack one sheep out with a cape, what am I looking at? What's my best bet there? What do I want to buy? If you're a bone out guy, which I imagine if you're if you're out sheep hunting, you're going to want to bone it out. Uh, you're Correct. probably looking at the bone out set. So the bone out set is like a six bag set, 17 by 29 set. So not like a big quarter set, but obviously a big enough bag that could probably would hold a sheep quarter if you wanted to pack it out with bone. And then either, honestly, the, the, the new knife I have out, the exoskeleton knife is super lightweight, but then the, also the, the limitless knives are like, they're, three and a half inches four inches long with a three inch two and three quarter inch blade super compact i put mine in my bino harness and then i carry one of the the finisher knives in there so if you want a knife and game bags all you need is the bone out and one of the limitless or the exoskeleton knives so okay perfect i'll uh, i'll pick up one of those and that's uh take them out and try them out this fall and uh, hopefully have them full of sheep meat so yeah well we'll get you guys sent up with a package just give me the address after and we'll send you both a package to try out this year so don't worry about that yeah so no it's it's uh i've been watching you for a long time and i i've been wanting to support you so really stoked about this looking forward to it and uh i, I like the the style and and everything's super cool so I, it's a perfect fit but uh, yeah i want to make sure i get the right one too so yeah no i, I yeah. appreciate you guys having me too it's nice to meet new guys and you know I'd like to support your guys's the things you guys do. So if there's any way I can help support 2% back, whatever program or initiative you guys got going on, I'd love to support that, uh, you know, the, the habitat, you know, I've done a little bit of reading and research and talked with a few guys about that. All the, you know, the controlled burns that are going to happen this year. Um, just a lot of that, you know, giving back and trying to increase that population of sheep, because as you know, well, you guys know, I, you guys know more to me. It's obviously been decreasing over the last, you know, a little while starting to increase, but anything I can do, I'd love to partner up with you guys and do something with, for sure with you guys. So that's awesome, man. We're that's we're all about that too. Like anyone we can work with, and uh, our members are so freaking dedicated, uh, and we keep growing. And they see the companies that support us, and they support them back, especially if it's a good product, right? Like, yeah. you know, and and we strive to do that. Like, we want to work with products that are you know, good companies with good reputations that are, and then, you know, you get the, it's just a perfect little synergy there. Right. And you start building that relationship and then people see, um, and then they support those people that are supporting us. And it's just a bit of a vicious circle. It's pretty cool. So. Yeah. 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 No, I've been following for a while. And that's the thing for me. It's like, I want to provide, I understand, you know, I have, I have a business background as well. Like I understand inflation and, and I look at just our world today. It's, uh, it's so expensive, like, you know, just everything from groceries to trying to buy a house. I mean, you're from the lower mainland. I don't need to tell you guys, about. I live in the Okanagan. It's expensive. And we look down there, but like to try to, to provide a product to the consumer that's a quality product, that's not going to break your bank, that's that people can use and they can like, right? Um, that's kind of my goal. Like I understand it's a business and, and you need to make money at it. But again, at the end of the day, it, right now for me, it's something I enjoy and it is getting busy. So if I can make a bit of money and, and it gets busier then then good, but you know, I have a good steady job. So I just, I love to, to give back to, you know, the kids, the, the foundations, the charity events, the, you know, that's the sort of stuff I really enjoy. And you get to meet lots of cool people, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a big industry, but it's a small industry, right? Like, you know, I met randomly Cameron Cotez. Um, I don't know. He's a sheep guide hunter and met him randomly. And we kind of hooked up and we did a knife collaboration together. And it's just, you meet people like, people like that in the industry. And it's just, 
lost all the contacts like you know through you guys so it's been great that way and that's that's the sort of stuff we need to is encourage more hunters to get into the industry and learn from the people going out of the industry or just you know you know pass that down from generation to my kids right so well next next year we'll get you out at our, our little sheep show there and we got booths and we'll gladly have you set up and meet some more people and expand your market yeah i was really hoping to get to that Kamloops. the Kamloops one you get last year or this year it was what a month or so ago yeah and beginning of march didn't work with the timing but yeah i'd love to come to one of those and throw on one of them backpacks and run through the hotel lobby (laughs) we we would all love to have you the more the merrier at that that backpack night Yeah. yeah so looking at the logo on your hat you got a a nice mule deer in the background let's uh let's talk the the stuff we all love to talk about on this podcast and uh, yeah get a little hunting here so you got an elk looks like an elk antler on your hat there so elk we i do is i mean i love elk i mean who doesn't love elk the interaction with the animals the you know september's over and i'm waiting for september again right so that's my real passion i mean don't get me wrong i love all hunting i like bear hunting in the spring deer hunting uh but elk is like is the top of the list we hunt a lot of the kootenays and we've been fortunate enough to hunt some real big ranches that hold lots of elk so we've been very fortunate but we've done 10-day backpack hunts um getting out like i find that you got to get out off the beaten path and you're with four or five guys you go it's not for me i love hunting i love the meat don't get me wrong but it's like getting out there and being with friends and buddies in the backcountry, right so what where would you start if if i'm coming to the kootenays i've never hunted elk there you got to go pre-season scouting where what are you looking for when you're pre-season scouting there because you're obviously you're scouting you're setting up cams you you're going deep or you're just off dad's knowledge we we like to go in typically like july august so we'll obviously i like to use iHunter onyx like i think onyx is now canada i've used that a bit i like to look at the topographic maps look at areas with basins with water but then have good um feeding areas like we found last year that the elk are really in the last couple of years because it's been so hot have been really really high up almost in the alpine like subalpine in that early september season i mean last year we were hunting uh, a basin uh swansea mountain behind invermere and uh you know, we, we have a buddy that does uh, heli guiding in their helicopters. And he was texting when we got back, he texted us a bunch of pictures from the top of these mountains. And there was herds and herds of elk on the top of the mountains. So we changed our strategy this last year and we went up high in the Alpine and we've seen a ton of elk. Um, no real good because you get into that sub Alpine, it's really hard to get on them, right? Especially when you're bow hunting. So that's what we like to do is pre scout we're learning constantly more every year but when we get into that early season it's hot um, the bulls quite aren't interested in the cows yet so we found that they're i found anyways and you know it's not a science i guess but i think they're sticking way up high until that mid-september and then they start to come down looking for them cows so that's what i find anyways i don't know so when you, when you get out there early season are you uh you locating calling or you're you just listening mm-hmm. for them at night we do a lot of listening at night, but we'll we'll do a lot of uh, just wake up in the morning, throw a bugle out there, like right at dark, dark, and just listen and wait, and then get to a good point in early season where we can sit in glass and see them. And then a lot of times we'll try to wait until they go back into their bedding area. And then, you know, once they're bedded up in their area, we try to get in there as close as possible and then do a little more calling because I find if you get right in their bedroom like 50 yards to 60 yards and you cow call or let a little bugle they're more inclined i think in that early season to come instead of bugling for 400 yards away when they're not really that interested right so early season for us is find them see where they're bedding and get try to get in as close as possible when you get them coming in are you chirping back and forth you bugling back and forth we do in the early season i found mainly the little cow calls early early season like obviously in bc you guys know our first to ninth is our bow season so that's when we like to typically don't do a lot of bugling uh like just bugle in the morning find them and then get in and do some cow calls and if he is really aggressive we'll bugle back sometimes but 
I'm more of a, I don't know. I like to slow play it a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I found that ripping bugles back at him is not necessarily the best tactic. And it's, I guess it's all about reading the elk too, right? Yeah. Well, they, they, they're dealing with some predator problems over there. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they, they, they silent up pretty quick sometimes and don't want to let you know when they're coming in hot. Yeah. We had that last year too. bugle and it was like instantly howl, howl, howl wolves just all around us. And we've had a few close calls where you howl and then you wait to hear it and then you howl and it's like, it's getting closer. And then you're like, Holy man. And they're like less than a hundred yards away and you can't see him in the thick bush. Right. So, um, I guess the, there is lots more predators now these days. We found the last two years that the elk have been more silent than usual. Yeah, you guys got uh, some some wolf problems and lots of big cats out that way. So yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a favorite meal of the the big cats is the elk. So it is, and when you get big herds of you know thirty twenty wolves, they'll uh, they can take out elk like no problem, right? You got a, a favorite story you want to tell about elk? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did an elk three years ago. It was kind of our first big, big backcountry elk, and there was me, my good buddy Darren, one of our good players, Aaron Volpatti from the from Kelowna here, and another guy, Andrew Phelps. And we went up this basin, and it was like we had no clue. We never pre-scouted. We never did nothing. And we scouted the maps, parked our truck in a spot where we could walk in five or six kilometers this song. And, you know, Darren in his infinite wisdom said, we need to park here and go over the top of this mountain and come down. So, you know, sure enough, we get over the mountain and it's like a kilometer of straight down 50 foot cliffs. So, you know, we wasted a day and a half, two days backtracking all the way to the truck <clears throat> back around and we camped that night and end up being like 400 yards from the truck. We just didn't, we didn't go anywhere, but got up the next morning, hiked up there, got to a spot, uh, heard, uh, heard a bull at night thrashing kind of. So we thought, Oh, we'll just leave and woke up in the morning and, you know, kind of set up in the same spot. <clears throat> and sure enough, uh, not with a matter of minute after daylight, <clears throat> a bull come charging down the hill. And I was having to be back, back on the camera. And Darren was up front and he was bugling. He was screaming back. And they all came to about four yards in front of this bush. So <laughs> the guy that I grew up with that, you know, loads an arrow and throws it back. And the elk steps out from the, the bush. And I'm watching this. And I'm like, this is a done deal. Four yards, right? Thud, he missed it four yards. And sorry, Darren, for telling the story, but, uh, <laughs> but we missed. So what he actually didn't do is he didn't he didn't put his uh, rest up. Oh. So after he told me, he watched the arrow go over, 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 and hit the elk in the forehead in the first tumble. <laughs> so, so I'm watching this, be like, oh, it's a done deal, and, and sure, the elk takes off, and he's still cow calling, he's still cow calling, and and then he and then I can see him draw back again, and he draws back and. You guys know when you hear that arrow hit an animal, it's a distinct sound. It's a thud, like an almost a, a caving in of swallowing. And sure enough, that elk went 30 yards and he uh, he dropped about 50 yards ahead of where Darren shot him. So we we kind of, we I heard the shot, the other guys, and he came back and he said, yeah, we think we got one on him. And so anyways, we uh, went up to the elk. Yeah, sure enough, it was, a, it was a good five by five, I think, in early season. So we were pretty happy. Um, and then we're all looking at each other going, okay, well, we're like 10 and a half kilometers from the truck. And it's like, there's no trails. There's no nothing down this hill. And it was like washed out riverbeds. And so get the game process, get them packed up and we're packed up camp probably by, I don't know. It happened like right at five 30. So we're camped up ready to go by eight 30. The elk's all processed. We left at 8.30 and we didn't get back to the truck till almost midnight. And the last kilometer and a half was through like a swamp, was through like thick timber, thick alder, like just bush you couldn't get through. And then the last kilometer, one of the guys steps on a hornet nest and all of us just got eaten alive by hornets. So 
you know, that was a kilometer from the truck. So we debated camping or going, and we just decided to push it. We were wading through waist high water, through rivers, through, it was just like nothing could go our way. So, you know, you talked about that earlier scouting, you know, maybe a little bit of scouting before the trip would have paid off, but, uh, you know, it was a great experience. We, we had fun. We got back to the truck and we looked at each other. We're never doing this again, but sure enough, a couple of days later, we went back up there and hunted again. But, uh, that was kind of my first big, big backcountry pack out hunt. So that sticks with me. Hit on another few ones. We just got back from, from Mexico there in January. Oh yeah. You want to do a cool hunt like for coos deer. We went down to Mexico in January and man, what a cool hunt them deer are. They are such tough deer to hunt. Oh, <clears throat> you're, you're in cactus. They're, they're a small white tailed deer essentially, but super spooky and they're super hard to find. So if you ever do want to do a cool hunt, go down to Mexico, Sonora and do a coos deer hunt. Were you guys successful when you went down? We were. <laughs> I wasn't, but, uh, so I, we went down with, again, the Alpine guys, they were filming an episode. Uh, so I went down to help film and they are like, Hey, you know, surprise, you got a tag. Oh, perfect. Right. Awesome. So it was Trav, Mitch's wife and Mitch and myself. And we, we obviously go through a guiding company, but we we hired them, but we're on a big, huge, I don't know how big, it's not a high fence ranch. It's just a big wild ranch in the middle of nowhere we camped out there for six days so the second day lynn was successful um mitch shot a nice one and then i missed i missed on the second no on the last day i think i missed at just over 400 yards so it uh it was fun it's unfortunate that i missed but those guys were lynn and mitch happened to put down two good deer so What's the weather like at that time down there? Mitch told me to pack my winter gear and I'm like, winter gear, we're going to Mexico. Like it was like frost on the tents. Like when you wake up in the morning, almost frost. And then by 10 o'clock you're down to like your t-shirt. So it's such a huge extreme from zero minus one at night to 30 degrees during the day. Oh yeah. But uh, real cool train tough hunting and like it's it's an experience camping in the middle of the sonora desert the sun sets every day like it, it was it was pretty cool to do so it's on your what list. are those sorry buddy what do those coups weigh like is that they're small right like it it's a tough like it's not like a big muley at 400 right these things yeah. are pretty tiny no. at the shoulder i think they're like 30 inches right like a yeah. big coos deer uh probably weighs I don't know, 90 pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're 30 inches at the shoulder, but the, you know, you're looking at, you know, eight, nine, 10 inch cavity. Right. And, you know, I mean, 400 yards is not a long shot these days, but you know, just under the circumstances, I, I just, you know, admit it, well, you'll see it. It'll, it'll skin air in probably three or four months on the TV. So you'll, <laughs> you'll see the miss and Mitch is not afraid to tell me I missed on the show. So, um, but uh yeah they're pretty small animals but they're pretty cool like they're similar like i said similar to a whitetail very skittish and hard to find you can be literally looking right at them in the bush the mesquite the cactus the they're just a very hard animal to hunt i think jack o'connor are you familiar with jack o'connor he he that was his favorite animal maybe sheep was but i think uh coos deer was a close second he absolutely loved hunting them and loved going down to Mexico and being down there and the whole experience and everything. So, it, so what? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. What? Uh, I was just curious. What rifle you're shooting? Just got to razz you a little bit about the 400 yard shots. Uh, I think it, it was a 6.5. So, I it's to go down to Mexico to hunt. You can bring your own rifles, but the the guy we go with Bon or Bonnie Benito. I can't remember his exact name, but he has all the rifles down there as part of their outfit. So we can bring rifles. It's just a pain, you know, with the Mexican border, right? You never know. Like the guy in front of us is like, didn't have one like I dotted on his paperwork and the Mexicans charge him like $8,000 or they're going to take his rifle. So I think it's a, a 6.5 Creedmoor with a night force, a good rifle. We shot it. We shot it when we got to camp and it was shooting like 
loonies at three or 400 yards. So it's, it's not the rifle. It was the operator. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And did they have any mule deer down there or was there any sheep or anything like that on that ranch? Uh, not on that ranch. Um, so this year I, w- Mitch went last year and he goes down there every year. They hunted mule deer for two weeks, desert horde, big ram for a week and then coos deer for a week. So I think he usually goes down there for a month and a half hunting straight, but, uh, they did get successful last year on, on the desert bighorn. Um, but they are around. Yeah. They're, the numbers are growing there a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they're not what they used to the, the private, I'm not exactly sure how it works down there, but I think the ranch owners get a certain amount, a lot of tags for, for coos deer anyways how the Mexican works. I think if you have a ranch, you get designated so many tags or you're allowed. And then I think the outfitters go to these ranches and seek approval to go hunt them. And then I think they purchase these tags, but there, there's some good bighorn down there for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many, but yeah, Mitch has done it and they were successful. I think last year. Yeah. Mexico is a huge success story for rep- repatriation of rams. Yeah. Uh, and sheep, and there's a lot of it, like now guys that are um, f- offering free range hunts, like true free range hunts. Um, there's lots of high fence stuff too, but it's it's pretty easy. That, you know, they're not. They're, it's not a, still not a cheap hunt, but it's a pretty cool opportunity for sure. Yeah. So. The the one guide that works with where we went coos hunting, I think he's a, a biologist or he's something. He works down there, and he works with all the local ranchers, and they're trying to, you know. They're relocating, I think, and trying to relocate rams to ranches with high fences, not to hunt them, but to try to get the numbers up and then try to release them in a certain spot where there's a better success rate for the population to increase. So it's good to see that down there, right? Because I think there, I don't know if there's a lot of poaching and stuff down there, but, you know, it was cool to see from this guy that he explained to us on the process. They bring in sheep to a ranch or try to get them in there. Then they close it. They're, they're massive ranches, right? They're hundreds of thousands of acres, but then they try to try to bring the population up there, let them grow and then, you know, release them to wild or just try to, you know, increase the population, right? Uh, right on. Are you doing the filming for them? Most like a lot on a lot of their hunts. Were you doing that in Mexico for them? I do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, as much as I can get away, I think I did a turkey last year, a moose hunt, uh, and then the coos deer this season. Yeah. So I work them a bit as much as I can. They have, I mean, Mitch and Travis. So Mitch is the host, obviously. Right. And then Travis is uh, his co-host and he does mainly the filming. And then they have another actual photographer, Cheese, that does it. But uh, when I can, I like to get away from those guys. But, you know, does my wife let me go? <laughs> every every weekend these guys spend like i don't know mitch probably spends 200 days a year in the woods i i, I don't i don't have that much time off work i'd love to but but uh i do a little bit with them yeah so they've they've helped me out quite a bit so great show he tells a good story right it's not just it's educational some of his stuff so yeah very cool man yeah yeah so, what about you guys Hunting stories. What's your favorite animal to hunt? (laughs) We're on the wrong end of the podcast for that. (laughs) I enjoy a mountain mule deer. I'm a, I I love mountain mule deer hunting. That's my, that's my favorite. Yeah. uh, Being in the Kootenays there, are you, uh, you a turkey guy too? Yeah, I was there two weeks ago, turkey hunting. Yeah. We'd, uh, we went turkey hunting. Got few like they were gobbling like crazy, but they're they're it's like a little mini elk hunt in the but it's not an elk, right? They're the communication aspect of hunting them is fun, right? But we had a lot come in, come into that 60, 80 yards, probably could have shot, but we just kind of thought no, so we weren't successful. I think I'm gonna go back in, in a week here and try it again, but uh there's definitely a, a fairly hefty good population. I mainly hunt down the Invermere area. But, uh, I mean, we've hunted Cranbrook Trail, uh, Nelson, Nicosperia, and there's turkeys all over there too. But it's, uh, it's fun to hunt them because it's, it's the interaction aspect, right? You're not just sitting in the middle of nowhere waiting, right? You're actually interacting with the animals. So, Yeah, you, are, are you doing the uh, perch up under a tree and get the little stick and 
gobble back and forth with them and, and yeah and, yeah it was pretty cool to hear him i mean they were going nuts we had him last week there was probably been 30 40 50 of them around us like they were everywhere but just they must have been with hens or they must have been hung up or maybe they're in the roost tree or they were just not moving right but all around us but nothing so it's it's definitely cool to hunt them like if, if a guy like i wasn't really into it till two years ago but it's something i look forward to now right so yeah well i've i've never had the privilege to go uh turkey hunting but everybody i know that does it they they swear by it they say once you do it you're you're hooked it's hook line yeah. and sinker on those yeah yeah they are fun for sure so you got any spring bear plans coming up uh been hunting been out a couple times i typically wait till i like to wait until like mid-may just i don't know just give them a little more opportunity to get a little fat on them but uh, i do a lot around just the okanagan here no real big hunts planned for bear i i take most of my time off in the in september 1st probably till september 20th uh but yeah, just kind of get out after it's nice when it's summertime, it's light till, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock, you can get off work, have dinner with the kids and then jump out for three hours. Right. So. Yeah. Just, that's uh, a great time. You can, well, I, we go up North for bears and they, you know, you, you pick up the kids from school and you, you have your dinner and then you head out and you're back by, well, past their bedtime, but yeah you know you, you got shooting light till 10 o'clock at night it makes yeah. it's, a, it's a different hunt but it's a fun hunt it, it is yeah like it does bear get me really excited i mean i love bear i love eating it right i do actually i love it i'm, I'm not a believer to hunt an animal for for a trophy right when i'm out there i utilize every piece of animal every piece of meat that i can right so it, it's something that's fulfilling and i enjoy but uh but bears just, it's a predator, right? And it's, it, there's so many of them that, you know, you look at it and go, well, if you take one or two, like, you know, when I was little, I used to shoot them all the time. Now it's like, I'll be picky and take a big one. So, you know, it, the population is up. So, I mean, it's understandable. You know, you look at things like elk and, you know, elk and sheep and, you know, all those animals where the, they're on the downward spiral, right? It's, it's, I don't know what the, the the just the whole around the regulations i i think in my eyes and not for bear breathing but for ungulates needs to change in the next three years it'd be unfortunate to see them have a closure of elk but i think in the next honestly I think next year you're not going to see elk open in the kootenays anymore open season that'd be unfortunate it was such a great uh great hunt before and yeah animals are plentiful but there seems to be a lot of struggles in that area for all the ungulates yeah like last year we seen probably 50 different five by fives so the six by sixes just don't i mean they're they're out there right i mean if you get fell off the well off the path they're there but it just seems like that population is dwindling and you look at stuff like accidental you know, shooting illegal animals. I think I talked to the CEO last year down there and he said there was like in the Kootenays alone, over 80 animals shot that were reported, not six by six and six by six season. Right. So God, you figure 80 animals there. Like, it's just, I remember when they opened up in the Kootenays, it was all LEH. I can't remember what year it was. And then they just opened it up to general season, man, there was monsters everywhere and lots of elk, right? So, I think we're going to see a shift probably in the next year or two with, with the elk and maybe even the deer. I don't know the deer population in the Okanagan, I think is declining as well, but there needs to have something happen. And, and I think someone at a higher, at a higher, you know, position that's making these decisions maybe needs to be educated more on the process. I, I don't know. I don't get too much involved in politics, but I just find that someone's making a decision that may not necessarily know what's best for the animals or the, or the sustainment of the population. Yeah, there seems to be a, a fair amount of that going around, unfortunately. But you know, if, you, if guys are doing their guys and gals are doing their part and partaking in predator hunting, that'll definitely help the situation. Hundred percent. Yeah, like when we were up at the Cassiers hunting moose last year, I think you know there's bounty on wolves and bears up there, right? I think that was part of. I think that was mainly for the First Nations. 
for the in their traditional area but man we've seen so many grizzly bears up there it was insane like we were hunting moose and it was like moose calls like bang grizzly bear it's like okay come around the next corner grizzly bear or wolf like wolf in daylight right daylight i've never seen them standing out in the middle of the field in daylight but there were tons up by you know right on the yukon border yeah we weren't too far from the yukon border as well and you know lots of grizzlies seeing wolves out in the the plateau just it yeah. was it was a different different world than what we're used to when we head up there yeah but you got any big big fall plans coming up you, you just mentioned a little time off in september yeah we'll do the elk hunt in the kootenays uh i do a big uh i got we're part of a member-owned fishing camp up in uh, hackai pass up by rivers inlet so i go there for two weeks fishing every year salmon fishing halibut fishing so got a fly and lodge there uh so i do that for two weeks at the end of august and then i take 14 days off september 1st for elk hunting <laughs> so my wife doesn't like me uh come around late august so um but I get, you know, try to get my family time in, you know, during the summer and, and do a lot of hunting then. So maybe back to Mexico this year. I, I'm not sure yet, but. You, is your, does your family get involved in the, the hunting aspect of things? Or? Uh, my little boy, he, a uh, little one, he turned, he's seven. He's getting more interested. Like he'll come for drives with me like at night and, you know, like the bear hunting, right? Like it's light till nine 30. It's something that we can go on a cruise for. And he enjoys it, right? He comes out with me, you know, is he the best hunting partner? Is he the quietest? No, but he, but he enjoys it. And I love taking him, right? Like we see a deer or a bear, he goes crazy. Right. And that's being a parent and a dad. That's like, you know, seeing your kid enjoying doing something and something I can do with them. Like when I go fishing, I do that with my dad. Right. So that's something I look forward to every year. I could just spend time with them for five days, stuck in a boat for 16 hours a day. So it's that good bonding time. And I like to do the same with my son. So. That's excellent. Get the, get the kids involved. They're the future. So that's right. So kind of pass on that knowledge down. Right. And, and again, it's about that. I it's just about that quality time with, with family for me right yeah absolutely well you got any uh any questions for mr mike there kyle uh yeah i was gonna ask you so you mentioned um you like to eat what you kill awesome um so how about wolves do you, you when you're up north where you did you have a wolf tag or were you in or did i guess you don't even need a wolf tag but did you uh do you shoot wolves or uh, just out of principle, just out of curiosity? Uh, I would 100% for sure shoot them. Uh, the, the opportunity just didn't really present itself for a, for a good opportunity when we were there moose hunting. But 100% definitely if I'm out in the Kootenays, if I'm out anywhere, and if I'm elk hunting or whatever, if I see a wolf, it's not well, – hopefully it's not walking away. But uh, – um, yeah, to, to do, to help, I guess. I mean, a lot of people look at that and frown upon it, but I mean, it, I would have no problem shooting a wolf and, you know, taking the animal and taking the hide. And I don't know if you eat wolf. I don't, yeah, maybe not wolf, but. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I've never tried it personally or coyote, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's very good. But uh, interesting, like they say grizzly bear is not very good. And I've had grizzly bear and it was really good, actually, yeah. which is. Um, I guess it was probably a berry bear, but, uh, mostly a berry bear anyway. Did you, did you ever get a chance to hunt grizzly bear before they shut it down at all, Mike? I did. I, the last year that, the last year that they did the, that I put a draw on for an LEH. I actually got the draw up by Micah, uh, okay. Micah Dam. I got out for a few days, um, just wasn't wasn't successful we did see a few grizzly bears mainly <clears throat> uh sows and cubs so i didn't I, you know i'm not into shooting sows and cubs right like but uh i wasn't able to harvest one but definitely to get out and see them like it, it was pretty cool to go i mean you're hunting the biggest almost one of the biggest animals in north america right yeah. in terms of predators right but no i was wasn't successful i was part of a hunt where a guy did shoot one and it was like i'd seen grizzly bears but to actually see a big one like in your hands like hold its head there it's tremendous how big those animals are it's yeah 
Yeah, phenomenal. And that's crazy. Like you talked about being in the backcountry and you see you run into them and it's the scariest thing you do, but it's also the coolest thing, right? Like you love seeing them from about six or 700 yards, but I've had them at like 80 or 90 and you're just like, oh shit, you know, we're in for it now, right? So it's yeah. it's pretty cool to watch and see them. But you were saying, like I know in the Kootenays they'll respond, right? Like if you'll do, if you cow call or you, you know, or, or you shoot something, I'm here, you know, you hear all the time, let's dinner bell for the, uh, for Grizzly. Is it, was it like that up north for you guys too? Was that your experience as well? Uh, when we were up north, uh, we seen a bunch of grizzly bears. Um, they, they didn't get, I mean, they didn't seem scared. Like, let's just say, like, we seen probably a couple at 190, uh, 200, 300 yards. They knew we were there, but they, they didn't seem scared at all. Like, I mean, I was, tenting out there i was like scared crapless because i mean you're trying walking back to your tent and you're whoa oh, bear crap bear crap bear crap and i'm talking like black bear piles times 10 and you're like man there's grizzlies here but they they didn't seem too bad i mean we did harvest a moose uh but the spot we switched up was right on the river so it was up the river we got off the river hiked up this mountain up this little canyon and, and we were harvest went up there and we happened to do it during the middle kind of that late morning right so we didn't have any issues there but uh they're there i mean there's crap everywhere even in even where we go in Invermere area up in the alpine it's uh we set up camp last year up there and sure enough look over there's a couple piles of grizzly crap and we glass the next morning and right up in the alpine there's two grizzly bears walking so been fortunate enough not to run into one like and you know you guys know when you're out there bow hunting and you got a bow i can't carry a rifle with me or i can't carry a handgun like what am i going to do with a bow yeah yeah so. yeah it's you're pretty compromised for sure um okay i'm curious now uh you know how do you run you you've got the store you run all these products um you're obviously you know a uh, very seasoned hunter you're tied into the the back country um think about a piece of gear that you can't live without um and you can't pick your own gear so don't tell me how to game bag or on one of your knives but pick something tell me you know maybe it's your pack maybe and what what pack is it just it could be anything but when you think of the one piece of gear that you're going to go out in the countryside and you just wouldn't take another an alternative anything that comes to mind just curious i'd say late season like when it's cold yeah, old-fashioned Stanley Wool Henley. Like, awesome. Honestly, they're the warmest and nicest. Early season, I love the Merino Sitka core base layer hoodie. Early season, right on. in terms of like clothing, yeah. And you know, winter time, my butt, my heated, you know, those orange seats, right? When you're out in the front of those. But uh, yeah, the old-fashioned Stanley Henley when it's cold, those things are unreal. Cool. Uh, I love it. I love, love the wool, you know, and that's the thing is when you're out in the backcountry, you run into that, the grizzled old guy or the grizzled old outfitter, right? And he's on the horse oh, and yeah. you're just freaking freezing. You're freezing. Like you're like, think you're going to die. And he's up there and he's wearing wool and he's soaked to the bone, but he's warm. Right. And he's just like, yeah, and he's, yeah that guy's know what he's doing. He always, the old school, they call it old school camo, right? Those old guys, the older guys, the loggers, the, that wear just that and that's it. Right. And they're warm. And I, I'm not the, I get cold easily. So I had like four layers on, but yeah, it's uh that's my go-to for late season for sure. Cool. Okay. So um, that's all I've got, Greg, but I just want to know if I want to buy some gear and I'm going to go buy some gear, where do I go to? How do I buy your stuff? It's hudolifestyle.ca. Um, I mainly run, obviously, online platform. I don't have a storefront, but, you know, throughout BC, Great North Precision in Kelowna carries the product. Uh, there's a few others in the Okanagan. There's a couple in Alberta. Getting more, extending their branch, sent a package to the guys down at uh, um, down in Vancouver. I can't remember the store's name, so hopefully they'll be able to carry it down to the lower mainland there. But uh, hudolifestyle.ca, Instagram is just Lifestyle, Facebook is the same. So um, that's where you can mainly reach the products. And guys, if you have any, anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me directly on social media and, and connect and, and chat, you know, just message me if you want to chat hunting, right? 
Right on. And it looks like to me that if somebody wants to collaborate, if there's somebody that's a you know, business guy or business gal, innovator that is in the hunt space that you're, you're looking for opportunities to team up with people and bring your product line and team up. I think you've done that a few times with some of the different products there and it looks really cool. Yeah, we partner with Wapiti. We do a little bit of work. We got actually a line of Hudo Wapiti tubes coming out there on the website now. Slayer, I just did one with Slayer calls out of the States. We're doing some game bags collaboration together. So that's coming later this year. And then, you know, I mean, we can do custom stuff for people. Like I said, you know, it's nice to work with different companies. Uh, it's nice to work. It'd be nice to work with guys like you to be able to give back. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if let's let this motto fits good. Then, then it's, you know, it works for me. Wicked. Well, let's figure that out. We'll we'll figure something out. I know we've been sort of touching base a little bit here lately, but I think uh, get off the air here and we'll figure something out if we can put something together and team up on something. It'd be pretty cool. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it. Cool. I'm checked out, Gregory. Over to you, buddy. Oh, I was just gonna say, awesome. Thank you for joining us, Mike, and telling us a little bit about Hoodoo and talking hunting. That was a great chat, yeah, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Awesome. And uh, I'm going on a dull sheep hunt this fall. So just. Oh, just really? I'm jealous <laughs> that the guys are heading up to uh, Northwest Territories for a helicopter flying here in July, and oh. I just can't make it. So I'm jealous. For dull sheep, or what are they going for? Caribou? Dull sheep, yeah. They're doing. Do you know uh, who they're hunting with? I'm not sure. I'd have to ask Mitch. Mitch is going, but they're doing a flying with a helicopter, a helicopter guide. I'm not sure what company it is, but. Okay. We'll have to talk to those guys. I know I've touched base with them before, but we've never put it together. We'll have to talk to them before they're hunting uh, yeah. and uh, get the details. It'll be cool. So Yeah, great bunch of guys. So Wicked. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for your time today, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, guys.